In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Collect for Wednesday in the second week of Lent. Mercifully regard thy people, we beseech thee, O Lord, and grant that we, whom thou commandest to abstain from carnal food, may also refrain from hurtful vices through Christ our Lord. Today, as on so many days of Lent, we are reminded of the former rigor of this season of penance and that no one was allowed to touch anything from an animal throughout these 40 days. As I have mentioned on other occasions, exceptions were always granted to this. Countries in the north were allowed to partake of some dairy because otherwise this food would go to waste and they had no other means to sustain themselves. And in individual places, exceptions might have been given even to eat meat on certain days, but it was only officially that the law of the church was changed universally in the mid-18th century. Before that, at least the official ritual, the official (coughs) rigor was still in force, which was that one abstained from all animal products throughout these 40 days. And so we recall this in, in so many of the prayers that we hear throughout these 40 days. But we are reminded on each of these occasions as well that the fruit of this, as far as our own sanctification, should be progress in abstaining from the vices. And this is a good reminder to all of us because whatever Lenten program we settle upon now, the Church grants us such great liberty in how we keep our Lent. And so, in all humility, we do agree with our confessor, spiritual director, on a program. After that, we should always hold ourselves accountable in seeing if we do undertake physical mortification, does it bear fruit in our life, or is it simply an exercise in self-will? And one of the fruits, one of the vices in particular, which it should curb, is precisely our pride and our ambition. This is why it is juxtaposed today with this passage from the Gospel. It is certainly quite deliberate that the Church places today's Gospel where she does, just a few days after the mystery of the Transfiguration. And if we look closely, we see it is just three chapters later in the Gospel of St. Matthew. We must remember here that this gospel today concerns the two sons of Zebedee, that is James and John, those two who were on Mount Tabor with our Lord just a few days earlier for the transfiguration. They were there with Peter, and Peter suffered a very stern rebuke from our Lord just before the transfiguration. After he had conferred upon Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven in chapter 16, He then announces his coming passion, just as he does today. Peter responds, Lord, we will never let this happen to you. And although it seems like a very caring remark, it is hard to see why at first glance he would suffer a rebuke at all for this. He is very sharply rebuked from our Lord, much more so than the sons of Zebedee are today. It reveals, however, that none of them are understanding what is about to happen. And this is clear from what happens today in the Gospel. After announcing his coming passion, even his crucifixion, 
and that only on the third day then shall he rise again, we are told that the mother of the sons of Zebedee comes to speak to our Lord. Remember, these are the sons who had left everything to follow our Lord. They even left their trade, they left their father at his work, left all behind in order to follow our Lord purely and completely. Nevertheless, they are still, it seems, in touch with their mother, and she comes to ask this great favor on their behalf. It would seem impossible to conclude, however, that they had no hand in this themselves. For indeed, our Lord responds not to her, but to them, if we look closely. He says, you know not what you ask, speaking in the plural. He speaks to the two sons, not to her. This accords with what we find in St. Mark, the other, the other gospel which records this episode, where the mother is not present at all, or at least not mentioned. It's not mentioned, and it is the sons who simply come to our Lord saying, Please, Lord, grant us whatever we may ask of thee, and then proceed with this same question. It is clear that they simply do not know, as our Lord says, what exactly they are asking for. He has just explained to them what awaits in Jerusalem, and yet still they have in mind somehow that he is simply going to take his seat on a throne when he arrives. They do not understand that the throne that awaits him in Jerusalem is the throne of the cross, and that to be seated on his right hand and on his left would be nothing more than to be crucified with him on Calvary. This is why our Lord asked them then, can you drink the chalice that I shall drink? They respond that they can, and then our Lord says, yes, indeed, then, this shall be granted to you. However, to sit on my right and on my left is not for me to tell you. Now this is my Father who is to decide such a thing. He then proceeds to give them a lesson after witnessing the indignation of the other ten who have heard this whole exchange, then explains to them that the rulership over the flock which is to occur in the church of God is not to be like in the world. He says, it shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be the greater among you, let him be your minister. And he that will be first among you shall be your servant. Even as the Son of Man has not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a redemption for many. We understand from the manner in which our Lord corrects the two disciples today that their ambition was perhaps not so great and their intention not so out of place. It was simply a lack of understanding. Nevertheless, he takes this opportunity to give everyone present a lesson in the dangers of pride and ambition. If we undertake a rigorous fast and physical penance during Lent, this should be the foundation then of acts of mercy and works that humble us and allow us to place ourselves in the position of being a servant to those around us. It is in this way then that we can with pure hearts approach Almighty God and offer him that very pure prayer, that prayer we hear especially today in the epistle, the prayer of Mordecai. Hear my supplication, be merciful to thy lot and inheritance, turn our mourning into joy, that we may live and praise thy name, O Lord, and shut not the mouths of them that sing to thee. 
O Lord our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.